It's time for the Tri-County Equipment Get Stuck on Sports Podcast. Here are your hosts, Dennis Stuckey and Brady Beaton. Well, one out of two ain't bad. You get Dennis Stuckey uh, today. Brady Beaton uh, will be back next week. So uh, he won't be here for today's show. He won't be here for Friday's show. But that's okay. He's always here in spirit. Uh, and a lot of spirit is what the Marysville uh, Lady Vikings uh, showed in their quarterfinal game last night against Country Day. Down by 23 in the second half. They got it to one point with 28 seconds to go. They had a possession at the end of the game down by three. But unfortunately, their season came to an end with a 59 55 loss. We'll talk about that. Boys regional finals going on tonight, uh, and uh, we'll talk about the regional semifinal games that were played on Monday and more coming up with the Tri-County Equipment Get Stuck on Sports podcast. When you run with us on a Gator UTV, the engine has your full attention, the herd takes notice, and the trail meets its match. Because with effortless four-wheel drive and our smoothest shifting transmission yet, nothing runs like a deer. Search John Deere Gator for more. Contact one of Tri-County Equipment's 10 locations in Bad Axe, Birch Run, Burton, Carroll, Fenton, Lapeer, Marlette, Reese, Saginaw, or Sandusky, or visit Tri-County Equipment online at tricountyequipment.com. Marshall E. Campbell Company, located in Port Huron, is a full-line distributor of industrial cutting tools, fluid power, electrical tools, and other electrical supplies, providing utility and contract-based services for more than 100 years. The company has a wide range of products that includes abrasives, automotives, ballast and lamps, boxes and closures, building products, chemicals and lubricants, electrical fittings and equipment, janitorial equipment, wire devices, and tapes and safety products. Marshall E. Campbell Company, located at 2975 Lapeer Road, or call them at 800 Buying or selling a home? You need an experienced company standing ready to help you with all your real estate needs who is committed to making you the client number one. O'Connor Realty hung out its real estate sign in the city of Marysville almost 40 years ago to help the good people of this community buy and sell their homes. O'Connor Realty provides access to free, no obligation home valuation reports prepared by a licensed realtor with no hidden fees. Located at 2801 Gratiot Boulevard, Marysville, give O'Connor Realty a call at 810-364-87. For all your real estate needs, O'Connor Realty. Small enough to know you, large enough to serve you. If your windows stick, (laughs) slip, (laughs) squeak, or leak, replace them with Anderson windows. With low-E glass, low-maintenance exteriors, and rich wood interiors, standard and custom sizes, they can turn simple window replacement into serious home improvement. Hi, Chip Mortimer here, inviting you to experience the difference at Mortimer Lumber. Our expert staff will be here to help before, during, and after the sale. Stop by Mortimer Lumber, 24th and Lapeer Avenue in Port Huron. Hey guys, Brady Beaton here to let you know that TP Logos is now at their brand new location. Now located at 901 Michigan Avenue in Marysville, TP Logos has the largest in-stock selection of your team's spirit wear. While the location has changed, the service has not. They still will handle all of your custom screen printing and embroidery needs. Check out tplogos.com to see their vast selection of products, including Badger Sportswear, Nike, North Face, Richardson Hats, Carhartt, and more. Don't wait weeks for your gear. Get it in days with TP Logos. Take advantage of high market values by tapping into your home's equity with a low-rate home equity line of credit from Advia Credit Union. Use the cash for seasonal spending, consolidating high-interest debt, and much more. 
Learn more and get started online at advscu.org forward slash HELOC. All loans subject to approval. Equal housing opportunity. NMLS number 401863. Derek Clean by Bachelor has been faithfully serving the Blue Water area for over 25 years. Whether you are commercial or residential, if you need carpet cleaning, stain removal, upholstered furniture, drapery, or air duct cleaning, call Derek Clean by Bachelor at 810-982-7044 and talk to Mike about their aerated foam process that allows carpet and furniture to dry quickly. From pet stains to odor removal to water damage cleaning and restoration, there's only one call you need to make. Derek Clean by Bachelor, 810-982-7044. 44 Duraclean by Bachelor. Magna International is North America's largest auto supplier and now calls the Blue Water area home. Our new plant, located on Range Road in St. Clair, will have great opportunities for all members of the community. Named to Fortune Magazine's World Most Admired Companies two years in a row, Magna offers many different career opportunities. Wages start from $17 and up. Go to magna.com forward slash careers to apply today. Again, magna.com forward slash careers to join our team and create the future of mobility together. Hello, this is Tim Sheridan, owner of Sheridan Real Estate and Insurance in Lexington, a family tradition that started back in 1925 with Grandpa Sheridan. Promoting trust, care, and excellence, Sheridan is dedicated to understanding and taking care of all your needs. Respected throughout the community and dedicated, Sheridan is a proud supporter of local activities like high school athletics. For all your real estate and insurance needs, please go to our website at SheridanAgency.com. If you're not listening to GetStuckOnSports.com, that's a personal foul. Your kids, your schools, your sports. All right, welcome back. Uh, Dennis Stuckey with you here in the first uh, segment. Mike Legro is going to join us later on in the uh, show, but I'm going to talk about the basketball first because that's kind of front and center. Marysville was the last area girls team standing. They played their first ever quarterfinal game last night at Callahan Hall, uh, and the second half of the game is what I expected the game to be like. Marysville took it to country day. They were the aggressor and they had a, a presence in the post, and they won the second half 38-24. to 24. The problem was that the first half happened, uh, and the Vikings were very slow out of the gate. In fact, uh, the Yellow Jackets scored the first seven points of the game in the first 70 seconds, and they led by seven at the end of the first quarter, 15-8, to eight, and they extended that lead by halftime to 18 points, 35-17, outscoring the Vikings 20-9 to in the second quarter. And part of what they were doing in the first half was making every stinking three-point shot that they threw up, um, especially Aisha Yokley. Now, we saw Yokley play last year against Imlay City, and in the first half, she kept throwing up shot after shot after shot, and she was missing everything everything and she just kept shooting and nobody said a word to her come to find out in the second half she started to knock them down and we realized that well she's a shooter and they just let her shoot because that's what she does well that's what she does she made seven three-point shots in the game last night five in the first half uh seven of the 11 three-pointers that country day 
made in the basketball uh, game. There were 18 threes made in this game, but Marysville didn't get cooking until late. Uh, They made five threes in the second half, and a lot of them came towards the uh, end of the uh, ball game. Clutch three-point shots. By middle of the third quarter, this game was, for all intents and purposes, over. Marysville looked frustrated. They weren't getting anything done. Country Day, to that point, had been the aggressor. Marysville made a little push in the middle of the second quarter to get the game to 21-17, and then they gave up 14 straight points to Country Day, 12 of them on Yokely three-pointers in in the final couple of minutes of the first half. So real demoralizing way to end the first half, and it was a real demoralizing game. Midway through the third, they were down by 23 points. It was 43-20. to But Marysville, one thing that I will say about this group of girls, and a lot of these girls played on the softball team that made the run last year, they just have that extra thing that you can't teach to kids. Some kids have it. Some kids don't. A lot of the Marysville kids have it. They don't want to lose. They don't like losing. They really don't like being embarrassed. And they bear down, and they just have that willpower of we are going to fight you to the death. We're going to scratch and we're going to claw. And somehow, some way, we're going to win this basketball game. And I'll be damned if they almost didn't pull it off. They were they got it to four with a little over a minute to go. And Yokely hit another three, her seventh of the game, to make it at that point 56 to 49 with Under a minute to go in the game, and you're thinking, well, there's the dagger. Great effort by Marysville. Great comeback. Um, They really played hard. They didn't quit. You know, they they made the score close. But it it wasn't done yet. Kara Miller had been quiet throughout much of the ballgame. She only had six points up to to this point in the game, had only made two two shots in the, uh, the game. And she knocked down a three up top to cut it back to four. And Marysville fouled, got a missed free throw on the front end of a one-and-one, rebounded, got it back up the court, got Miller open for a right-wing three, and she buried it. And with 28 seconds left in that game, it was 56-55. They were down 23 11 minutes earlier, and now it was a one-point game. And Marysville had a possession at the end, where a three-pointer would have tied it. Unfortunately, they called an offensive foul on a screen set by Avery Walters, and then Country Day made their free throws and eked out a 59-54 win. But that turned into that, – that was a laugher and a sleeper for two-and-a-half quarters, and in the last quarter-and-a-half, Marysville went to a different level, and that would have been one of the greatest comeback victories I've ever seen had they been able to complete the job and and pull that one off. I've been doing this three decades, and I was trying to think what's the biggest comeback I've ever seen in a basketball game, and I just don't remember. You know, I can remember 10 or maybe 15 points, but to be down 23 where they were at at that stage of the game and how frustrating the game had been to that point, uh, and and it's your usual suspects as the people who got things going for Marysville. 
Caitlin Kane, who finished with 18 points, started taking over the game, started deciding, I'm getting to the basket. I'm making things happen. Madeline Smith knocking balls away. Uh, Winston knocking balls away, creating havoc. Uh, Avery Walters scored nine. Miller finished with 12 with those two big threes at the uh, end. Smith had seven points. She knocked down a big three late in the game while they were coming back. Uh, Megan Winston hit a three in the comeback and finished with uh, six points. So Marysville... You've got to give them credit because they didn't quit, but you've also got to look back at certain points in the ball game where they had opportunities. Should have been a closer game at halftime, despite all the three-pointers that Country Day was hitting. Should have been a closer game at halftime because Marysville was getting good looks at the basket in close. They were dominating play in the paint, and the Vikings aren't a big team. But they were getting the ball inside, and they were getting good looks. They were also getting chances at layups, and and they left a lot of points, especially in the first half, out on the basketball court. But to be down like they were and basically be dead in the water, uh, you've won 19 in a row, you just upset Lake Fenton, you're sky high coming into this game, and Country Day came out like a bowl in a china shop uh, and kind of shocked you, and it, and it took them a little while to get their bearings. Once they got their bearings, they just ran out of time. If this game had a fifth quarter, Marysville wins, and they might win going away. Problem is, is you know, it doesn't work that way, but that, that was a great effort. Again, great job by Ryan Ratchie and his staff, and just a great job by those girls. 22-3 and three this year, a 19-game winning streak going into that game last night, a district title, a regional title for the first time in school history, their first regional win in a long time, their first quarterfinal appearance, and they darn near were headed to the uh, to the semifinals. When they got it to 56-55 with 28 seconds to go, I thought they were going to win. I really did, and I, and I think probably the people who were there cheering for Marysville, and again, they filled Callahan Hall. They had a great crowd. The student section was amazing. A um, lot of support for that Marysville uh, team. So I just tip my cap to everybody at the high school, the kids, the players, uh, the coaches, to the parents, to the entire community for the way they rally around their team. Like last year, I think the entire city was at that softball final. Um, and tonight, huge crowd at Callahan Hall. Uh, excuse me, uh, last night, huge crowd at Callahan Hall um, to see that game. Um, and uh, Marysville just comes up a little bit short at the end. So our girls' basketball season came to a close with that. Monday night wasn't going much better for us in terms of the uh, boys and the uh, the districts, at least for the teams that we had high hopes for. Uh, Richmond and Croslex were both playing over at uh, Flint Powers in uh, D2, and we really had high hopes that one or both could get to the regional final. Um, but Richmond, it was just an off night for them right from the uh, the start. Brady did these games, and when we talked uh, on the car ride home, he was driving home from Powers. I'm driving home from Peck where I was at on Monday night. He just said Notre Dame prep thrashed them right from the get-go, and Richmond was really never in this game. They got 19 points from Carl Stevens, but they lose 77-42, and so the Blue Devils were knocked out in the regional semifinal. The Pioneers had a chance. Again, didn't see the game. But again, to hear Brady, Crosslex 
had a chance, and it looked like they were going to win. But in the end, Goodrich steals the victory 53-51 to uh, despite 18 from Jake Townsend. And that is the first and only loss of the year for Croslex um, in, in a real tight battle. So a two-point loss is the only blemish on their record this season. And Goodrich and Notre Dame Prep will play in the championship game later tonight at uh, Flint uh, Powers. Uh, New Haven got a 69-60 win over uh, the host school, Burton Bendel, at uh, their uh, regional, and they'll play Detroit Loyola tonight. Now, again, I don't know much about Detroit Loyola. They have the better record slightly. They have two more wins than New Haven. think this is going to be a good game. If New Haven wins, they'll play the winner of Marlette and um, Flint Beecher. Beecher's the heavy favorite in this, but what can you say about Marlette? They were a big-time underdog against Bad Axe. Bad Axe was 20-2 and two and had Womp Marlette early in the season, and Marlette beat them 47-46. When Marlette started the playoffs, they had a losing record. They are now guaranteed a winning record this season. They're 13-11, and 11, so no matter what happens tonight against Flint Beecher, Marlette's going to finish with a winning record, and they turn their season around in the postseason. Winning their district, which nobody was picking them to win their district. We were looking at teams like Brown City to win that district, or we didn't know much about Millington, and they won close games over Sandusky and Brown City, and we thought, okay, it's Millington's district to win. And there's Marlette. And then Marlette pulls off a gigantic upset win over uh, Bad Axe. So they'll play Beecher. Beecher is, I believe, they're 20-2 and two, uh, after their win on Monday night. So... But if Marlette and New Haven both win, they'd play each other in the quarterfinal, which would guarantee an area team gets to the semifinals in Division um, Three. So good luck to both New Haven and Marlette. All right, I was at Peck on uh, Monday. To say that Cardinal Mooney wanted to beat Clarkston Everest so bad is an understatement. First, you have to understand the history. The two teams play in the same league, in the Catholic League, in most sports. Uh, and in football, Mooney has never beaten Everest. Never beaten them. This year, they thought they had a chance, and Everest smoked them. Just smoked them. It was the worst loss of the season for Mooney. They had a chance for a rematch if they win their playoff game, and, and Mooney lost with no time left on the clock in their first-round playoff game, 13-12 to uh, 12, to Rochester Luther Northwest, so they didn't get the rematch with Everest. Well, they played them in basketball twice in the regular season. At Everest, 49-49, Everest hits a shot at the buzzer to win it 51-49. They get the rematch at Mooney. Game goes to overtime. End of the first overtime period, Everest is inbounding at midcourt. They throw it in. Kid throws up a prayer, and it goes. And Everest wins at the buzzer in overtime, 74-71. Mooney wanted this game and they played really well against a good Clarkston Everest team and Mooney killed them in the paint. Cardinal Mooney scored 71 points and they only had five kids score in the game but Dom Catavera scored 18. He had at least a dozen rebounds maybe more and he probably blocked at least four shots 
maybe more. He had a great, great game and was the first catalyst. Then you get what you usually get. Brian Everhart scored 16. Trent Rice scored 14. So they combined for 30 points. Heck, on a lot of nights, they combined for 40 points for Mooney. Um, but, again, they give you what they give you. And then it was the, the unsung heroes, Quinton Hilliker. What a ball game for Quinton Hilliker. He scores 13 points. He knocks down four clutch free throws down the stretch to help seal the deal. And Ryan Trombley, the last time I saw Mooney uh, in action, Trombley didn't even play. He had 10 points and knocked down two big three-pointers in that ball game for Cardinal Mooney. Um, they won the first quarter by four points. They won the second quarter by six, so they were up 10 at halftime. Their lead was nine points after three, uh, and then uh, the, the fourth quarter was back and forth. Fourth quarter was high scoring. Everest won the fourth 25-23, but Mooney did enough to just always keep them at arm's length. Um, Luke Walker scored 20, but he got points 19 and 20 on free throws midway through the fourth, and then they shut him down for the rest of that ball game. Um, and Everest just didn't have enough other guys giving them what they uh, needed. They did get 15 from uh, Joey uh, Thibodeau, but it, it just wasn't enough. It was a really hard-fought win for Mooney, and so they are now in the regional finals where I think they're probably the favorite. They'll play Genesee Christian, who beat Ubley 59-46, uh, Ubley played very similar to the way Marysville's girls played last night. Um, really slow start. Deer in headlights to start the game. They're down 13 at the half, 26-13. Can't make a, a shot if they're in a rowboat in the middle of the ocean throwing balls over the side of the boat. They'd miss the water. It was just that kind of a half. Started to pick it up a little bit in the third quarter uh, and really were, were playing their best basketball towards the end of the game. But again, just too little too late. They lose 59-46 to uh, 46, uh, despite getting 15 from Kyle Sweeney, who fouled out with about four minutes to go in the game. Uh, they got 10 points from uh, Braylon Franzel and seven from Matt Brandle, who fouled out with about two and a half minutes to go in the uh, game. But they didn't have an answer. Genesee's got two quick little guards uh, who run all over the place um, and uh, shoot threes and get penetration and get to the free throw line and, and make their free throws. Uh, 24 points for Tyler Chapman, 24 points for Trenton Boyke, and the rest of their team had 11 points. So Genesee Christian has got a couple of kids that can score. They're a smallish team. I think they'll try to run with Mooney, which uh, that'll work. For Cardinal Mooney, they, they got kids like uh, Rice and Everhart. They, they can run. Um, don't know uh, if they'll have Julian Iodisi. He's got an injury. Don't know the specifics on it. He tried to play. They started him. He played a couple of minutes, and then that was it. But Hilliker came into the game and gave them Iodisi numbers. And so it was like they didn't even miss him. Um, and I think that Mooney has a big size advantage over Genesee, and that's why I really like them to win the game. If Dominic Catavera does anything against Genesee Christian like he did against Clarkston Everest, then I'm saying Mooney's a slam dunk to win. Now, we don't know that that's going to happen, 
but that's my gut instinct on it. The game's in Peck tonight, 7 o'clock. I'll have it for you on uh, Stream uh, 1 uh, for the uh, regional title and a chance to move on to the uh, quarterfinals in uh, high school uh, basketball next week for the boys. So our girls' season, unfortunately, came to an end last night uh, despite a great effort from uh, Marysville at the end of that uh, game. But uh, our boys' season continues on. Mooney with a shot at a regional title uh, tonight. Um, New Haven and uh, Marlette. Marlette is the biggest underdog of uh, the uh, the three teams that uh, we, we have remaining. If they knock off Flint Beecher, then there's something going on uh, in Marlette, and uh, we need to drive up there and find out uh, what, what exactly they're giving the kids since the playoffs started. All right, take a break here, and then we'll kind of change gears a little bit again. Brady's off for the rest of the uh, week, so I thought Mike Legro, uh I bumped into him last Friday at the district finals for the Crosslex basketball, uh, and we'll get his take on a lot of things and probably tell some stories uh, too, so it won't all be about high school football, although we can't talk to Mike and not talk high school football. But he's actually an interesting dude that's done a lot of things. Uh, and, and the first time we had him on the show a year ago, I think we scratched the surface on some stuff, but we'll get more uh, into that uh, coming up here on the uh, Tri-County Equipment Get Stuck on Sports podcast. Get ready for the warm weather in the outdoors. Alpine Cycles has everything you need to enjoy all those outdoor activities. From bikes to skateboards, longboards, and accessories, they have everything you need to hit the outdoors. Need a new bike? Alpine has the latest models of cruisers, BMX, road bikes, and mountain bikes, and even has the new e-bikes for you to hit the streets. Already have a bike? Is it ready for the season? Alpine Cycles mechanics can get it tuned up and make sure it is ready to go. Need a helmet? What about gloves? Gloves or shoes, Alpine Cycles has the accessories to make you safe and comfortable for that ride. Are you a skateboarder? Alpine Cycles carries all the top lines of skateboards and longboards. Make sure to stop into the board shop if you need to upgrade your gear. Open Monday through Saturday 10 to 6 and Sunday 12 to 4. Stop by Alpine Cycles today, located at 762 Huron Avenue at the corner of Huron and Glenwood. Or like Alpine Cycles on Facebook for all the latest updates. When you run with us on a Gator UTV, the engine has your full attention, the herd takes notice, and the trail meets its match. Because with effortless four-wheel drive and our smoothest shifting transmission yet, nothing runs like a deer. Search John Deere Gator for more. Contact one of Tri-County Equipment's 10 locations in Bad Axe, Birch Run, Burton, Carroll, Fenton, Lapeer, Marlette, Reese, Saginaw, or Sandusky, or visit Tri-County Equipment online at tricountyequipment.com. Marshall E. Campbell Company, located in Port Huron, is a full-line distributor of industrial cutting tools, fluid power, electrical tools, and other electrical supplies, providing utility and contract-based services for more than 100 years. The company has a wide range of products that includes abrasives, automotives, ballast and lamps, boxes and closures, building products, chemicals and lubricants, electrical fittings and equipment, janitorial equipment, wire devices, and tapes and safety products. Marshall E. Campbell Company, located at 2975 Lapeer Road, or call them at 800 250 7520. 
Neiman's Family Market, located in St. Clair, is family-owned and operated and involved in the community. Neiman's has created a shopping experience providing a variety of quality products, specialty items, with superior customer service. Whatever your grocery needs are, from meats, bulk food, bakery items, produce, or even floral, Neiman's Family Market has what you will need. Entertaining? Neiman's has a full deli, and they do party trays. Check out our new mobile website and see weekly specials, coupons, and recipes. Open 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. all week long. Visit at Neiman's Family Market in St. Clair. You'll be glad you did. Do you have the right financial advisor to help you reach your goals? Ameriprise Advisors can create a personalized, goal-based plan to help you prepare for whatever life brings so you can feel more confident about your financial future. Call Ameriprise Financial Advisor Dave Betts today at 810-987-5370. That's 810-987-5370. Office is located at 527 Huron Avenue, Port Huron, Michigan. Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC. Member FINRA and SIPC. Take advantage of high market values by tapping into your home's equity with a low-rate home equity line of credit from Advia Credit Union. Use the cash for seasonal spending, consolidating high-interest debt, and much more. Learn more and get started online at adviacu.org forward slash HELOC. All loans subject to approval. Equal housing opportunity. NMLS number 401863. Having car trouble? Look no further than Marysville Goodyear. Located at 291 Range Road, Marysville Goodyear will take care of all your automotive needs. They know that just one visit to them will make you a customer for life. Whether it's a tune-up or tire rotation, consistency is the name of the game for the folks at Marysville Goodyear. Need tires? Marysville Goodyear is a certified dealer of Goodyear, Dunlop, and Kelly tires, and they stock tires for cars, trucks, SUVs, and more. Give them a call today at 810-364-4700. Marysville Goodyear, where your satisfaction is our game. Looking for that perfect first vehicle for your kid's sweet 16? Maybe you just want a quality vehicle at a fair price. Whatever your needs are, Jepson Car Company will take care of you. Located at 5277 Gratiot Avenue in St. Clair, Jepson has a wide variety of pre-owned vehicles that can fit your budget. With a great selection for first-time car buyers, check out their website at jepsoncarco.com. That's J-E-P-S-O-N car C-O.com. Or give them a call at 810-662-3048 to find the perfect ride. We welcome you to make Port Huron Schools your district of choice. Your child will experience an education with the most athletic, extracurricular, and academic opportunities in the region at Port Huron Schools. We specialize in providing personalized success for all students because each Port Huron Schools journey is unique and special. This year, more than ever, we truly appreciate our families and would like to thank them for their continued support. Please go to www.phasd.us and our social media for the latest updates on Port Huron Schools. Magna International would like to thank the Blue Water area for welcoming us into their community. We are excited to put our roots down in this beautiful, growing area. As the largest auto supplier in North America, we are thrilled to call Blue Water area home and look forward to many, many years in this wonderful community. Our brand new facility is located off of Range Road in St. Clair, Michigan. Magna is a proud sponsor of Blue Water area high school athletics. If you're not listening to GetStuckOnSports.com, that's a personal foul. Your kids, your schools, your sports. All right, welcome back. And uh, now we are joined by Mike Legro, 
So now it's time for me to get the little button uh, out and uh, operating. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back. It's been a little while since we've had you on the the show. We didn't have you on this past football season. Of course, Sheridan wouldn't let you come because he was pissed off at me for not putting you guys at number one in the rankings, and he didn't talk to me for the first half of the season till you guys stomped all over Richmond the night that I was there, and uh, then he was all smiles, and where are you putting us this week? And I said, well, if Armada wins, you're still going to be underneath them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been a while. It's uh, I think I came in here last time was, I think, in the summer when we were talking like the new playoff format came out, and we started to discuss that a little bit, but yeah, uh, I think we were on, you guys came to us for football for our football camp, and yeah, it's been kind of like radio silence from us uh, ever since. Most because, uh, yeah, Coach Sheridan was a little upset with you guys for a little <laughs> while. It's just for fun, and it's guessing. Hey, I was right about some of the teams. Um, in in I'm not gonna I'm not gonna name names, but Brady was really high on a certain team, and I said no way, no way, and I'll just say a score, fifty six to nothing. Yeah, I mean, uh, we we kind of came out uh, with a little bit of event. I think I think that was the week before we were supposed to play a game, so it was one of those like, okay, people are kind of like writing us off because we didn't play a game. We're going to be rusty, and then uh, the stars aligned, and uh, you know, Jake threw for like three hundred and thirty yards and four touchdowns and a half, and you know, we kind of went from there. Yeah, I I think he threw touchdown passes on like his first three or four passes. Of I the game. I, wa- I want to say there was uh, we scored touchdowns on three straight plays and two of them were called back for for holding calls yeah i just i i know there well there was a, an underneath route that went for a mile for a score i know sage laid out at the goal line he was wide open and jake overthrew it a little and Sage yeah, had to lay out at the goal line to I catch it i want to say the first one was drew hosterman coming across the three yard drag across the middle caught it uh no one was on the backside because they were running man got a nice little rub out of it and he just wheeled it out from there uh, the next one was, I want to say, Jackson Gonzalez ran a similar route, just ran a shallow cross, uh, caught it in the flats. There was no one there because we ran another rub route to get the linebacker out of space, and he did the same deal. And then we had, I think, a deep post to Sage early on in the game, too, to kind of get things jump-started. So, uh, and, and again, got better as the season rolled on. Actually, I, I don't know if there was a bad point because, like, the Williamston game in, in week one, it's really not fair to judge anybody. No, no, like, I, I would like s- that, and and everybody looked as, looks at that and go, oh, they got off to a bad start. Well, no, I mean, uh, part like I think part of that game was we were kind of feeling ourselves a little too much. Uh, you know, it was one of those we think we have kids in the right spots, we think we have the right scheme here and there, and then uh, when you play great teams like Williamson is, who has a great coaching staff, who has been to you know Ford Field and the semifinals and things like that, they expose you where you're weak, and we wanted to kind of know where our weaknesses were. We found out we were running a 4-3, found out we didn't really have a 4-3 team, so we switched over to a 5-2 or to a 5-3, and that kind of fit our scheme. And we also found out Kirk Wilson was an inside linebacker, not an outside linebacker. <laughs> and that made, then in my opinion, that made all the difference. Uh, you guys weren't here when I did the first segment tonight, and I was talking about the Marysville girls basketball team. And, like, some kids have this and some kids don't, but it's that will it's that no matter what the score is, it's like, I don't like this. I don't like losing. I'm going to take it up a notch, and we're going to will ourselves back into this game. I think you have some kids like that, and I think Wilson 
is one of those kids, and obviously Jake Townsend is another one. Right. Uh, another one that you guys don't really talk too much about is uh, Joey Ramsey, who's just a sophomore. He's been a, uh, a day one starter for me since he was a freshman. He is, he's going to be very, very special. Um, they don't care what the score is. They're out there just to play. Uh, I remember during the Freeland game, things weren't going our way. It was to end of the end of the game, and I went to pull Jake out uh, at one time, and he looked at me like, no, I'm not coming out. He goes, let me. He was. It was like one of those. Let me go die on my shield kind of uh, yeah. deals, and uh, you know we left him in there for a little while. But I, I, I wanted to get him that you know, pull him out, have the standing ovation kind of deal. Let him get his you know, his moment. I guess is the way to put it. And it was almost like one of those passing of the torches thing because I want to say the next play, Gavin Espinosa goes and runs for a touchdown. Um, so it was he. Yeah, there's no quitting those kids. Uh, Kirk Wilson, he didn't care what it was. He was out there just to play football. Um, yeah, I mean, the, uh, Kyle Naro was another one. He didn't care what the score was. He he wanted to go out there and dominate the person in front of him at defensive tackle. I mean, we had kids who were just football players and just very, very competitive no matter what. Too early to know about the transition from Jake. Is it Espinosa or is that not a, a done deal? Because he's good at other – positions on right. the field it, it's gonna you know it's gonna be one of those deals where you know that we'll have a nice little competition going into the uh, summer uh figure out what it is because you know there's there's gavin but then on the jv team that we had who hasn't by the way lost a game in two years um was a quarterback down there who's also a sophomore in nick monzo and nick monzo uh threw for i want to say like 23 24 touchdowns like that the jv team didn't throw a single single interception so uh, we should have some good options. It depends on what gives us the best chance to win. If it's Gavin, perfect. If it's not, if it's Nick, perfect. If it's somebody else I don't know about yet, so be it. it you know, best player plays, and uh, it just depends on how things go. And you're not uh, above putting guys in and out depending on the situation or the opponent, right? No, I mean, I have a lot of experience doing that when I was at Hemlock. Uh, we had a I, – I, I would say we had a two-quarterback system at one point my last year there. We had this uh, one kid, Brady uh, Devereaux, who now plays linebacker at Saginaw Valley? Uh, he would go there, and he was six foot three, two hundred and five, two hundred fifteen pounds. Was an all-state two hundred runner, long jumper, just overall athlete, but he couldn't throw the ball to save his life. So when he was in there, we would sit there and run a lot of quarterback powers and things like that. When we had to throw it or go quick or you know wanted to change it up, I guess our change of pace quarterback, we put in Dylan Legro, not not related to me at all. He's an L.A. Legro. I'm an L.E. Legro. Um, <laughs> and he would sit there and sling it around. I want to say in one game we threw for like nearly 400 yards with him in the game because we had to. We were down, I think, 14 nothing, and we're like, all right, got to figure this out. Uh, we put Brady at tight end and receiver who ended up having a couple of really big catches in that game and kind of got things going for us and you know, if that's what we have to do, that's what we have to do. It's not, it's not above me to do that. Or, you know, I'm not married to his, you know, to a type of offense. I'm married to a, a, a philosophy, which is tempo and speed and fast. And I don't care if that means that there's three tight ends and two running backs in the game, or there's five receivers in the game. It doesn't matter. You just got to move fast. Yeah. You just, you just like getting up to the line and getting a snap off. Yeah. If you, yeah. The, well, the reason for that is because if I sit there and I get a 45 yard play on you, and I then take 40 seconds to snap the ball. You just had 40 seconds to figure out what went wrong. Well, you can figure it out when I score a touchdown and I'm on, you guys are on the sideline. <laughs> I like that attitude. <laughs> and I like the high-scoring games. I do. I like the run-and-gun stuff. Yeah, whenever I say uh, track meets uh, on the sideline, Coach Sheridan gets offended because that means he also has to give up points in that process. <laughs> and he goes, I don't do track meets over here. 
then it turns into a whole ordeal with them that way. <laughs> give me, just as a fan and a broadcaster, give me 45-44 every week of the season. I know you guys would all be dead at the end of the year uh, with, with gray hair and, and bald and whatever, but I would love that. Uh, and that 6 nothing stuff, uh. uh yeah, that, that that Notre Dame prep game uh I think aged me tremendously when it was it was six nothing, that's what it was. And it was one of those things like one person is one slip away from breaking off a huge run and uh it got a little hairy at the end and uh I'm pretty sure I aged quite considerably during that game because I, I didn't want the elements to be the reason why we won or lost or whatever and you know, it kind of was what it was. I would, I would hate for us to have, you know, have a really legitimate team and then have the great equalizer that was weather uh, be the thing that determined that and then, you know, not be able to move on to the next two weeks and stuff like that and get more time with the guys. But that That's Michigan, and the game plan of the year goes to Coach Rollins at Northern, the, the second Northern PH game. He knew it was going to rain. He knew that Memorial Stadium was going to turn into a uh, mud bog yep. between the 20-yard lines, and they practiced all week snapping the ball to a linebacker and letting him run forward, yep. and they used it 80% of their plays in that game, and they won a playoff game. Yeah, uh, we did a very similar thing against Armada. You can actually ask Brady about that one where you guys all thought we were going to come out with our, you know, oh, are they going to do it with their, their spread sets, and they're, how are they going to be able to throw the ball? They can't throw the ball when it's this wet. I think we threw the ball three times, and Jake Townsend had zero passing yards, and we were like, oh, okay, well, we're going to put in two tight ends, two fullbacks, and we're going to let Belly Groppy carry the ball 37 times for 235 yards and four touchdowns. And that's just – it was – literally everyone's just going to wedge block up front, belly get the ball, go forward, get what you can, move on to the next play. Yeah, see, that's the fun part week to week in high school football is trying to figure out the matchups because the one thing about you guys, you're so much bigger than everybody else in the BWAC except Armada was the one team that size-wise kind of compared to you and it's like, okay, how is this going to work out uh, between these two teams? Um, and – Again, you guys proved a couple of us wrong. <laughs> right. Um, and the thing is, though, like, and probably in most years, Armada's a, you know, probably wins a BWAC. It just happened that uh, we had our, you know, we just had a really, really good season. We had a lot of good senior leadership. Uh, we had a good mix of young and old on the team. Uh, I want to say, if I remember correctly, we had, what, four or five sophomores that started for us this year. Um, so, you know, we're looking to reload there. But, you know, it kind of was what it was with, with that group. Uh, we, we, our offensive line is at, was absolutely massive. Uh, one, people that, one person that you guys don't talk about enough, and I thought you guys should have, was Matt Lyons, uh, who is actually going to be signing his letter of intent to Concordia on Friday um, to play football. I mean, 6'4", 315, first team All-State in the AP. He was the reason for our nearly 4,400 yards of offense. If there was a big play, you can watch the Armada game film. It went right behind Matt Lyons. Constantly. And then when Jake pulled the ball or ran the other way, it's because Matt Lyons was trapping somebody out. And See, that, the problem is, is four plays into the game, that guy's got mud all over his jersey. I can't even read his number anymore. Well, you, you don't so need I don't know who's leading the way. <laughs> oh, you don't need to read his number because he was 6'4", 315 pounds, and he was the Mack truck coming you, at you. <laughs> you got a lot of guys that look like that from where I'm sitting. <laughs> right. I said it, it was a very fortunate thing. Like they, That offensive line is was probably one of the biggest I've had an opportunity to coach from tackle to tackle. And 
probably on par with probably some of the smaller like D3 schools offensive lines. Uh, I mean, I was an average size lineman in college, and you know, there's kids on my offensive line were my size, if not bigger, all the way across. I saw that picture of you. I think it was uh, during camp, right, where you were lined up, and you you look like the little guy in the group, right? Yeah, that doesn't happen very often either, by the <laughs> way. Um, yeah, it was just. It was a very unique thing, and those kids all get after it in the weight room too, which was a big thing for us uh, this past year. Uh, big, you know, it's still going on now. We got kids in there. I think we'll, we had about fifty some odd kids in there today. Uh, we had a good chunk of middle schoolers in there too, so it's kind of we're starting to get that foundation, so the program can keep rolling year in and year out, kind of deal. All right, fun stuff. So uh, let's talk before we take a, a break. Let's talk a little bit about Jake Townsend. Um, well, I still have baseball season to watch Jake play a little bit, mm-hmm. but this is a special athlete, and it's going to kind of be like you know certain guys when they are done with high school, you miss them, right? And and and, and I'll be at the football stadium next year, and you'll you'll have somebody else out there who'll be starring in games and, and doing terrific things, and it's fun to watch. But you'll say, oh man. I miss when they would run that play with Jake Townsend. Right. The The biggest thing that I'm going to miss about him is just like – you can't even explain it. He just had it. Like he he walked into games and he knew he was about to take over. Uh, the One of the plays that come off the my, top of my head is the last touchdown against North Branch where he completely ad-libbed it. Like it wasn't even the play that was called. He saw something. He pulled it. Uh, spun out of the backfield, and then there was nothing but green grass in front of him. Got to the edge, and he ran outran everybody, um, and stuff like that. He like when he decided it was time to take off, he was shot out of a gun, um, and he, he he wanted to go for every fourth down. It could have been fourth and one, <laughs> or it could have been fourth and forty. He, I, if I yelled punt, he instantly was like, "No, we could have got that. You know, I would we could have done this and this." And he had like a you know, this is how I would have attacked it if you gave me the opportunity to. And, you know, with the way that we run our offense, his ability to um, lead out there. If a kid ran a wrong route, he was the first one to go tell you you ran the wrong route. Or if he saw that you guys, were, you know, the defense was in this coverage, he would change it to the, you know, he would change the route to break that coverage. Or he would sit there and like, hey, you know, he, he would hand signal something to me because he want, he saw something. And I'd, you know, give him the, like, you have the green light, do what you think is best. Uh, him and Sage working together like that all the time. There's a lot of times where uh, Sage thought he couldn't break, you know, get by his defender he'd snap off his fade and hit a you know a nice 12 yard hitch to the sideline catch it boom make a move and then he'd do what he needed to do from there um he's just he was the leader and when it was winning time everyone knew that he was going to get the job done for us so we set this up last friday we were at mla city for the district uh game there were three times in that game where i said on the air that uh jake's football skills and instincts Helped him on the basketball court. One was just a ridiculous one-arm clothesline pass. Uh, he sent it down low. I can't remember who he passed. It might have been to Donovan McDonald, mm-hmm. but it was just – it's like kids don't make that pass in high school basketball. No. And, yeah, like I like I was watching uh, the past couple of games, and the way he just kind of sat and waited and baited throws and he would pick it off, and I'm like, man, we should. why didn't we have him at free safety? That's I was just going to say. He plays basketball defensively like, like he's a safety or a cornerback, and he times it and he picks those passes off. And then the other thing was um, one time 
he was guarded. He was being face guarded, and a guy snuck up from behind. And it's almost like that quarterback in the pocket. He knew he he didn't know the guy was there, but he you can but feel he, him. Yeah, he felt you it. You can yeah. feel him, and he dribbled out of the the trouble. And it's almost like a, a quarterback scrambling, and he turned it into. I, I think he turned it into a layup. Actually, right. Yeah, he just like I said, he he specially he has it, and he just knows how to do things. Uh, Trying to replace that's going to be tough. I mean, I mean, I'd be lying to you if I said, "Hey, we got to replace a guy who threw for 2,400 yards, 24 touchdowns, or 23 touchdowns, whatever it was, and ran for another 913." I mean, how do you replace that? Well, I guess we have the fun task of trying to figure that out. Um, but he may have been—he he is probably the perfect quarterback style for what we wanted to accomplish. Uh, these past two years. I mean, he broke a school record. We, we helped us break a school record and scoring points per game in the regular season my first year there, and that was with the vanilla offense and not with all the fun stuff that we were able to and do And in this a partial year. season. Right, and, and, yeah, basically me and, you know, we were installing our playbook on Zoom and not be able to do anything else, no seven-on-sevens. You couldn't really touch a football with other kids in the area. Everyone had to be spread out, and it was <laughs> – yeah, it was a challenge, but, you know, he somehow made – Got the job done, and that which is surprising because you know, if I remember correctly, he didn't play quarterback until he was a junior. Yeah. Mike Legros with us, and we're going to keep talking. And I wish I would have like brought some beverages or something because I really want to get him going uh, in the next uh, segment. So hang in there. Buying or selling a home? You need an experienced company standing ready to help you with all your real estate needs who is committed to making you the client number one. O'Connor Realty hung out its real estate sign in the city of Marysville almost 40 years ago to help the good people of this community buy and sell their homes. O'Connor Realty provides access to free, no obligation home valuation reports prepared by a licensed realtor with no hidden fees. Located at 2801 Gratiot Boulevard, Marysville, give O'Connor Realty a call at 810 364 87 for all your real estate needs, O'Connor Realty. Small enough to know you, large enough to serve you. Hi, Chip Mortimer here. So much depends on your roof. Mortimer Lumber proudly features the Landmark Series shingle from CertainTeed Roofing. Landmark shingles come in many colors to surely enhance the look of your home. Landmark shingles offer a limited lifetime warranty, so you can be assured your roof will last for generations to come. Stop by Mortimer Lumber at 24th and Lapeer in Port Huron. Our expert staff will be glad to help answer all of your questions. Mortimer Lumber has locations in Port Huron, Emily City, Sandusky, and Bad Axe. Neiman's Family Market, located in St. Clair, is family-owned and operated and involved in the community. Neiman's has created a shopping experience providing a variety of quality products, specialty items, with superior customer service. Whatever your grocery needs are, from meats, bulk food, bakery items, produce, or even floral, Neiman's Family Market has what you will need. Entertaining? Neiman's has a full deli, and they do party trays. Check out our new mobile website and see weekly specials, coupons, and recipes. Open 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. all week long. Visit Neiman's Family Market in St. Clair. You'll be glad you did. Overhead Door Company of St. Clair County has been serving the community for over 30 years. Located at 5400 Lapeer Road in Kimball, overhead doors are the premier choice for durability, serviceability, and hassle-free performance for commercial and industrial doors. Overhead doors boasts a complete selection of performance and safety-tested commercial and industrial upward-acting doors and manufacture a wide array of styles to meet your needs. Overhead Door Company of St. Clair County, 5400 Lapeer Road in Kimball, call 810 918 
Hey guys, Brady Beaton here to let you know that TP Logos is now at their brand new location. Now located at 901 Michigan Avenue in Marysville, TP Logos has the largest in-stock selection of your team's spirit wear. While the location has changed, the service has not. They still will handle all of your custom screen printing and embroidery needs. Check out tplogos.com to see their vast selection of products, including Badger Sportswear, Nike, North Face, Richardson Hats, Carhartt, and more. Don't wait weeks for your gear. Get it in days with TP Logos. Having car trouble? Look no further than Marysville Goodyear. Located at 291 Range Road, Marysville Goodyear will take care of all your automotive needs. They know that just one visit to them will make you a customer for life. Whether it's a tune-up or tire rotation, consistency is the name of the game for the folks at Marysville Goodyear. Need tires? Marysville Goodyear is a certified dealer of Goodyear, Dunlop, and Kelly tires, and they stock tires for cars, trucks, SUVs, and more. Give them a call today at 810-364-4700. Marysville Goodyear, where your satisfaction is our guarantee. This is Lucy Harris. I'm a class of 2022 senior, and I play on the golf team at Port Huron Northern. As a Port Huron school student, I had the opportunity to participate in the most extracurricular and academic opportunities in the region. I can even earn free college credits from the Blue Water Middle College. At Port Huron Schools, I am treated as an individual and my teachers care about my specific needs. After graduating, I plan to study abroad and attend college to eventually become a teacher. That's my Port Huron School story. What will yours be? Please go to www.phasd.us and our social media for the latest updates on Port Huron Schools. Finding that missing shin guard. Remembering whether it's a home or away game. Getting the right kid to the right playing field on the right day. Why are simple things sometimes so complicated? Thankfully, with auto owners, insurance doesn't have to be one of them. We work with independent agents who keep insurance simple so you can worry about more important things, like not being that fan. Oh, come on, ref. That's simple human sense. For all your real estate and insurance needs, please go to our website at SheridanAgency.com. If you're not listening to GetStuckOnSports.com, that's a personal foul. Your kids, your schools, your sports. All right, welcome back uh, with uh, Mike Legro. Uh, Ryan's sitting over there quietly, but uh, if I had another Mike, I, I would talk to you because, like, you're actually more interesting than Mike is right now. <laughs> Mike's being very reserved for some reason. Anyways. Maybe it's because Brady's not here. That's, that's Brady probably always knows how to push people's yep. buttons. Yeah, that's it. Brady's not here. I blame Brady. Well, coach, let me tell you how you can do it better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, where'd we leave off? You played in the old Arena Football League. Yes. Uh, and, and actually, you played in the last game that the Port Huron Patriots ever played. I did. And a historic. 114 to nothing loss at Erie. How did you get hosed into that? Okay, so the reason why I got hosed into that is because, uh, well, the funny thing goes, my Ryan actually worked in the front offices of the league, so he's probably got way more better stories about the league <laughs> than I would. Um, but it was one of those things where Port Huron had some financial issues, and their players said, well, you're we not going to pay us. We're not going to come and play. So uh, the owners of the Sting were also the owners of the league. So they're like, fine, we're going to give you out on loan four of our players so you can at least finish up the season. So I would go to practice with the Sting all week, and they're like, all right, Mike, go figure it out with the with whoever's there. <laughs> and I was like, okay, whatever. I mean, you guys are going to pay me, right? Yeah, okay, cool. All right, I'll go down there and we'll figure it out. Um, 
and I want to say we were wearing silver helmets. It wasn't even a Port Huron helmet. It was some, I want to say it was one of the high schools around here that it was a silver helmet with a blue face mask, and they were just like, here, take this jersey. Does it fit? No? Well, figure it out anyways, because it was just bare bones. I actually want to say I gave Brady – uh, one of the f- jerseys I wore in that game. He still has the uh, the eagle outfit. He I'm was so the mascot. He, I know. It's weird how <laughs> how pass uh, pass cross. Um, but I had I actually that jersey. It's a '95 jersey. It's a white jersey that I gave him. That was the jersey I wore in that that historically bad loss for poor here on Patriots. You caught a pass, right? I had a pass thrown to oh, me. Oh, okay. And it was one of those things where if I would have caught it. I was going to turn, and it, it was right there. Uh, my claim to fame in a port here on uh, Jersey was I tackled Juice Williams one time. Ooh, that and that was my claim to fame. I was like, I remember I, I was playing uh, D tackle, engaging my guy, and I was like, Juice Williams is about to run because that's what Juice Williams does, and disengage. It got on a good path and just kind of like grabbed his legs, which were tree trunks, and just twisted and got him down. And I popped up. And I go, Holy crap! I tackled Juice Williams, and he like looked at me like. What are you talking about? Like, okay. And I was like, dude, I used to watch you on TV like when I was a kid. He goes, man, I'm getting old. And just kind of walked <laughs> back to his huddle. And, you know, it was just, it was for me, it was one of those like surreal, surreal moments. I was like, I'm from a small D3 school. I went to a small high school and I am tackling a Rolls Bowl quarterback. Like, what am I doing? And I was just because I was thrown into some here, you're loaned out, figure it out kind of deal. And, uh, I remember going to uh, Erie. We're in a – they gave us like three rental vans and said, figure it out. They said, we're going to – you guys are – the Houston guys, we're going to meet up in the, the Meyer parking lot off of 75. Uh, you're going to meet up with the Detroit uh, – whoever the leftover Detroit Thunder guys are, you're going to meet up with them. But you're also going to pick up probably about seven or eight semi-pro guys on the way to Detroit. And then you're going to make a stop in Cleveland because that's on the way and pick up three or four more semi-pro guys. And then you're going to get the Erie, which there's three or four more guys that uh, tried out for the team but didn't make it, but they want to play anyways. And uh, we didn't have a quarterback. It was our one of our slot receivers. Uh his name was Jeremy Gordon, and he goes out to the first play and just gets completely murdered. Like, no one blocked from him because no one knows what's going on. Everyone's yeah. doing their own thing. We don't know. We're, we're literally drawing plays in the dirt out there. And, <laughs> You're the bottle cap. You're the twist. Right. And I was like <laughs> – and they're like, okay, Mike, you go play tight end. I was like, yeah, I don't do that, but all right, let's do it. Why not? And I'm out there running routes looking lost because, you know – I could do it in a normal football game probably because I understand, you know, that. But arena football is it's a completely different monster. There's people in motion. There's different rules. And I, and most of the time, like, you know, they tell you in arena football or in normal football, get to the outside and run up the sideline. Well, you do that in arena. There's a thing called the hockey, you know, there's the hockey yeah, wall the there. Hockey and yeah. that, that hurts a little more than what you <laughs> think it would. So, but if you go too far inside, there's, a, there's the big, large linebackers who are there to take your head off. So there's like a weird – balancing act between the wall and the large linebackers and just trying to get north without getting your, you know, head knocked off kind of deal. Uh, but yeah. I imagine the turf feels real comfortable. Uh, too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> see what, actually, this carpet that's in here is actually nicer than what we played on. The other stuff was sandpaper. Uh, we had it, we joked around it. There was exposed skin. It was no longer going to be attached to your body. And the problem was it's always hot in those arenas for whatever reason, uh, which is – because it would be nine times out of ten, there's a hockey, there's ice underneath everything. Because 
you also, you know, share an arena with, for us in Saginaw, was the Saginaw Spirit, an OHL team. You know, here you guys have the Prowlers or wh- whatever name they yep. were at that time. And it go it was literally ice. There's, like, a little bit of uh, particle board put down. There's a small thing of padding with Velcro. And then there was the turf, which was never laying flat because it always got rolled out, like, four hours for kickoff while we wanted to warm up. So never had a chance to really settle. And uh, it was not uncommon to trip over a turf monster or you go to snap the football and it's bubbled up in one spot and it skids on it and now it's you know rolling back to the quarterback and it made a lot of unique situations that's for sure. It it was fun fun times because we had three franchises here. Uh, the first were the Pirates and they were invincible. Mm-hmm. They won every game they played as the Port Huron Pirates. Problem was is after they had a perfect season the first year and won the championship, they had a perfect regular season the second year. And the people that own the team are like, we're, we're 20 and 0 in two years, and we're not selling out the building. Screw these guys. Right. We're going to go play our playoff game in Flint. And they had like one week to promote it. Was that that, that would have been, was it, was it the IMA at that time, or was it, was it Dort uh, at that point? Uh, no, I, I think they were still calling it the IMA at that time, or it was Pirani Arena at that oh, time. Oh, that's right, Pirani. I forgot it was Pirani. It was yeah. probably Pirani at that time. So, and this is from a good source, and I'm not going to give him away because he's a really nice guy, and I like him a lot, and I want to keep him as a friend. But Port Huron wasn't getting paid. And the Rochester, who was the other good team in the league but couldn't beat Port Huron, wanted to win the championship because they'd been smoked the year before by Mm -hmm. Port Huron. They wanted to win the championship really bad. So they told... A player, a key player on Port Huron, we will pay everything that you are owed, plus a little extra, if you guys don't win this game in Flint. I think they're playing Kalamazoo or whoever it was. And the guy who had thrown like two interceptions in two years threw an interception at the end of the game. Right. But on the next play, Port Huron picked one off and returned it for the game-winning score. <laughs> <laughs> So Port Huron won, even though they were trying to lose. Um, the other guy apparently didn't know they were trying to lose. <laughs> so they go to the championship game, and the guy threw like four or five interceptions. And, you know, Port Huron had beaten him in the regular season like 69-13, to 13, and they lost the championship game like 70-40. to 40. That, that's, that sounds pretty on par for yeah. uh, small-time small arena football, that's for sure. Yeah. So that that was the Pirates' uh, history. The the Predators lasted like seven games, and then yep. their owner was a young girl in her early twenties, who gotten money, inherited it, or or whatever. And people were just taking your money and spending it on this football team. Mm-hmm. And finally, uh, uh, as as I heard it, um, she liked one of the cheerleaders, and they moved to Vegas together. And she folded the team basically and took her money and went to Vegas. Nice. <laughs> Yeah, that like, and then there was the Patriots. It, it was never uncommon for a team to fold in a year. Uh, Mid game, sometimes it seemed like it. Yeah, yeah, it would. <laughs> yeah, uh, I want to say that. Ha- I want to say that happened in Detroit. There was a, there was an issue. They used to play at the Taylor Sportsplex, um, and then they no longer they like they forgot to rent it out a weekend or whatever it was, and then they had to go play at uh, at. Pirani, IMA, Dort, whatever it's called now, Arena in Flint. And they didn't play in the hockey arena, though, because they have, like, this weird random, like, 
grass turf uh, spot where they play soccer and stuff yeah, like that. which used to be an ice arena. It used right. to be a second ice arena. Right. But the thing is, though, there's no hockey boards there. So they're out there before the game starts with white athletic tape taping lines down. And we're sitting there like, what are we doing? <laughs> uh, the first play, because, you know, the – the end zones are only five yards deep or whatever. Well, it depends. If you play at a hockey rink, it's actually like it's five yards where it starts to round out. Then it, you can get like eight or nine yards, depending on how your size of your arena is or if your lines are good because um, that's always and good. Port Huron, it's a shorter arena, so it was a smaller end zone. Right. So it just depends on your end zone. And uh, <laughs> our court, our, the, one of the quarterbacks wanted to drop back, and he didn't realize he was that far deep in the end zone and literally got a safety by him. like, did the Dan Orlowski without having to scramble. And uh, he just kind of like stood there like, what are you talking about? And like the ref literally just like pointed at his feet and he goes, oh, okay. And it, just, it, it was the most like grab bagged way to set up a game. And it, it was, it was very, very unique. Uh, we still joke around about that one today. Uh, the first kickoff at McMorrin went through the rafters clean. Yep. And the guy caught it and ran it out. And then there was never a kickoff again that didn't hit a light yeah. or after or the scoreboard. <laughs> Actually, the, the the best kicker I've ever seen in uh, in that league or in a, in a league alike was from the Chicago Blitz. It was a uh, it was a woman. Yep. I want to say her name was Julie Julie something. Um, college soccer player, probably one of the. She was so good at it because she was able to keep it nice and low, and it always went to the end zone, uh, that kind of deal. And, you know, you could also get a, what they called the was the Uno. The Uno, yeah, yes. You, which was a unique way to score a point, uh, but people went nuts when it happened. Um, well, that was the guys. I, I listened to the 114 to nothing game, and the, the guy had like 27 Unos yeah. in, in the game, and the broadcasters were just going. They were going crazier for that than the touchdowns. Yep. Uh, well, yeah. When you got, I I want to say I went in there at like Mike linebacker a couple of plays because we were just gas. I'm like, I looked at him like I've never played linebacker in my life, but I'll figure it out. Why not? And then uh, me and my one buddy looked at each other like, am I the am I the Mac or are you the Mac? Or like, because there's different rules for what each you know the Mac or the Jack linebacker do because the Jack normally is the one that goes back. The Mike always blitzes and it's normally you know four on four blocking that way and we just looked at each other i'm like we don't know what we are and we just both blitzed and <laughs> no one cared at that point because it was 95 to nothing or yeah. whatever it was and uh because yeah don't don't they had rules too about how many could rush on a right. play or and the you had to go forward on every play too right you couldn't take a knee yeah you and, couldn't take a knee so yeah the end of the games got ridiculous so you're trying to do qb sneaks and uh the funny thing about this like i, I remember this from camp uh we were sitting there, and we were, you know, everything's out of gun for the most part in this league. And the coach goes, hey, we're going under center, QB sneak. And I was, like, already in my stance. I was like, what do you mean we're going under center? Like, <laughs> what? Like, like, And the quarterback goes, yeah, we're not like that yet. We're not that close. And he goes, well, Mike, uh, and he, like, hits me on the hip. My name's uh, AJ. I like, wa long walks on the beach. <laughs> uh, say go. And I was like, oh, okay, we're just going to go. I was like, and uh, – <laughs> And then another part about this, then we like we did this a couple times, and then we we called in some uh, guy off the street uh, for a backup, and we're going to QB sneak, and you know you can ask any center in the world if you don't tap me on the hip, let me know that you're there. 
we got problems because we're not ready for it because we normally will lift our butt up and get in, a, in our, you know, ready to snap uh, situation. And he just gets right underneath him, and I just stood up. And I go, no, 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 we don't do that here. You let me know when you're about to get under center so I can prepare myself mentally for what's about to happen. And he just looked at me like, what? I'm like, you go back to the huddle, you go try again, and you come back. And coach is like, what are you doing? He's like, he's going to learn that you you just don't come. And like the starting quarterback, he was trying to explain to the coach, like, you're supposed to let him know that you're there because you don't want to start because if you startle him, he'll snap the ball. Like, it's just what's going to happen. <laughs> so and this is not an easy question without giving you a chance to think about it but coaching playing doesn't matter the level high school college when you played arena football like what is just the downright stupidest thing that you've seen happen where where you just you, you you thought about it afterwards and you're like i can't believe that happened in the game tonight oh uh, hands on, it's probably in arena football. That's that's definitely for sure. Um, I want to say I got an argument with a fan in Port Huron. Believe it or not, um, I bet I know the guy. Uh, he was he was, no wasn't the guy in the costume. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, he was no, he, he was this. in the he was in the front row on uh, would have been on this side of the arena. Yeah, so the the north end. Yes, and. Uh, and uh, he said something to me, and we're on the goal line, and I like, I missed time. Like the the DN just absolutely timed his uh, snap up perfectly. Like I wasn't even out of my stance yet, and just ran right by me, got the sack, and this and this guy was just heckling me, just giving me the business. And I point at him, I said a couple things to him, and uh, I got back in my stance for the next play, and he said something. We ran a run play, and I like picked the guy up that I was blocking and dumped him into his lap, and then I said something to him. He had a beer in his hand. I flipped the beer at his face, and I walked back to my <laughs> huddle. And uh, <laughs> I walked back to the like to my bench, and I was like, did I really just do that? <laughs> well, in that league, they probably gave you a raise for it. No, you gave a football away. You were going to get fined. They, yes, they, they started I, doing I remember that. remember that. It's like I remember, the, I remember there was one of the, like the, the the GM walked into our locker room and goes, hey, guys, remember, you can't give up footballs this week. And we're like – you told us that we should be giving out as many balls as possible. So are are you are you telling me that we did a too good of a job just handing the balls out? And he goes, "Well, guys, if you uh, hand out a ball, you'll be fined the replacement cost, which what was it, Ryan? Twenty five bucks, thirty bucks, something like that. 40, bucks. Oh, it was forty, fifty bucks for one of these uh, Balkan red, white, and blue off brand looking." Footballs that you could probably buy from one, you know, those bins at the at a Walmart or Meyer. They just grab a ball, and like, hey, here's a football. Go figure it out. It's, it wasn't even gym class worthy, in my personal opinion. And uh, he, they literally were fining us forty, fifty dollars a ball anytime we went to hand one out. The uh, the prodigal son has walked into the room. So, uh, and I know he's just chomping at the bit to get out Legro here. <laughs> Hi, everybody. I'm here. Um, I just got done doing like 11 and a half hours of, of games, so I figured I'd stop in for five minutes. What, what have I missed? Have a slice. What, what can I, what can I uh, weigh in on here? What have we talked about? Everything, especially the segment about you, was good. I'm sure it was. <laughs> I, saw, I saw you had a really entertaining game, Dennis. Um, I'm sure you've talked about the Cross-Lex game and, and what that Actually, group of seniors much, so is. If you want to tell us about that, and I know Mike was there, too. All right, the Cross-Lex game, I'll give you, like, my Reader's Digest thoughts because I want to have a voice by the end of the week. Um, it felt like 
it, they wanted to win and hoped to win, and they didn't have that usual swagger. They didn't. I give a lot of credit to Goodrich for coming out and really taking it to him and never letting Croslex get on a big run. Jake Townsend did everything in that game to will them to a victory. Kid hit six threes, played out of his mind just at the end. Goodrich had a couple shots at the line, hit him, and whatever was drawn up in that timeout for the last shot didn't come to fruition because that was the most out of sorts I've seen a Croslex team in a big moment since we've been doing this. Yeah, it was a great game. Um, we actually ha- – it's a unique situation for uh, for us because our uncle helps out with mm-hmm. Goodrich's basketball team, and uh, I've we've talked to him probably about 20 times since yesterday and, you know, Friday, and uh, they they gave everything they absolutely could. I couldn't have been more proud for the, for the boys. Uh, you know, that was – a heavyweight fight, and it felt like it from the get-go. I want to say the starting, what was it, Zach Kretsch hit a, a three-pointer, and then mm. Goodrich comes back and responds with their own yep. three-pointer, and we're like, okay, we're in for we're It in never for got fight. more than a six-point differential. Right, I think. And, then, and then it was a six-point differential, and we're sitting like, oh, here we go. And my uncle goes, you're just two Jake Townsend threes away from it. And as he's saying it, yep. like the, the highest arcing shot I've ever seen from the, uh, would have been the right side wing, just goes up and just hits nothing but net, and he goes, "See, told you, you're now you're one more away." And then, like next down floor, down floor, he hits another one. I will tell you what, though, a name that we are going to be cursing for the next three years is Laplay. Kid's a freshman for Goodrich. He's the big guy, and he is a hooper to say the least. He's a freshman, but he looks like a seasoned vet. Scary part: he has a brother in seventh grade that's six four, oh, who's just as good. Oh, good lord! That's why I mean. Goodrich reloaded, and I'll give them all the credit in the world. They did it without their leading scorer. They frustrated Cross-Lex. You held Kolakovich and McDonald to two points each. Sage Slanik, I think, had a quiet nine. You didn't get that secondary score. Everything you're used to seeing with Cross-Lex basketball didn't happen in that game. Yeah, I mean, I would say that, but, you know, it was one of those things where, you know that was going to be a grinded out game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have a, you have a, you know, there was a couple shots that looked like they were going to go in and just happen to bounce out. There was a couple of, in my opinion, like you know, gimme layups that were you know contested because Laplay got his hand, yes. and it got his hand in someone's eye uh, to affect the shot. But the boys played, I thought, absolutely, you know, hard. They were that was the hardest I've seen them play. I think Jake probably had what he went out for like thirty seconds total and was like got yes. a drink and then came right back into the game. Um, I guess the disappointing part is you've never seen Cross-Lex look mortal. Even in the Ferndale game, that was two Titans duking it out on the top of Mount Olympus. And even when Ferndale was up 10, you still you still felt like that uh, Cross-Lex was going to win the game. And, heck, they had opportunities to. That was a, a double overtime game. And you left that game going, they played an A game. They didn't give it away where I'm sure if you go back and watch the film of the Goodrich game, there's going to be 10 different moments you go, we've done that for the past two years and we didn't do it that time. But that's the difference between winning a regional and playing in a quarterfinal and being bounced after districts. Right. I Honestly, you know, that was probably one of the better basketball games I've seen with my own eyes and mm. we've seen a lot of good basketball being from the Saginaw area. And, uh, that was, it was a, 
It was everything thing that you expected a two teams from two di- best teams in each team's area's district going to go play for it. And when you get to that point of a, you know, it's everyone's best team in their area playing against the other team's best team in their area, and it, you know it was what it was. I mean, I mean, look at Richmond. <laughs> Richmond looks like they're gonna be, be a a, for, right. a force to be reckoned with probably in well, a couple of years. But I'll give that a uh, a shorter one. One, Jonathan Reese was NBA Jam on fire. He was hitting just ridiculous shots. We, we walked in, in and we're like, game. wow. Like I think he, he had 31 and hit five or six threes. Notre Dame prep came out and just smacked Richmond. What I'd say for Richmond, you're a young team. That's a learning experience. You remember that. that that's something that you put up in the locker room and all offseason long. You return that entire team. You just say, not again. Get back here and Make this wrong or right. It had a very much a similar feel to our North Branch playoff game mm-hmm. where, like, we never been there before. You kind of got to learn that situation. And I, I'm sure uh, Richmond's uh, – the Richmond boys are going to learn from that and want to be better. And they will get better because that's a great young basketball team that is going to just keep improving. I mean, what, they have one senior on the None. team? None. They had no seniors on no the team. No seniors. So, they bring everyone back. I don't know if there's a team that won a district around the state that can say that. No, and that's impressive. That that's the most probably one of the more impressive things I've heard. And they didn't have a gimme district either. Which no, we that was well documented. Anyway, anything else you want me to? You need my humble opinion on before I I uh, leave you and no longer grace you with my presence. Well, you never graced me. All right. Well, here's the <laughs> microphone back to Dennis. <laughs> Oh, he's even giving play-by-play of the uh, man. Your head is huge. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, how'd they get a helmet in Marysville to fit you? Extra large. <laughs> I was like, he's one of the two extra large helmets. Now, that now I want to see the eagle costume because that's got to be like a huge head. <laughs> we were we were talking about the uh, the eerie game and how you've been blessed with the number ninety-five uh, jersey from it. Uh, good stuff. Anything, anything else you want to throw in, Mike? I don't know. I'm kind. Of, I'm just kind of the warm weather is hopefully coming soon. We're in mud season, so that means that we might hit one more winter before spring hit, gets here. Um, uh, we're kind of just looking forward to the the football season. I'm looking forward to baseball season, to be completely honest. Um, you know, I want to see. You know, can Jake potentially run the gauntlet of being BWAC Player of the Year for three sports. I think he has a pretty good chance. I think Hudson Davenport has a great shot at it, too, that he he is a great baseball player. I remember watching him not only in uh, in Croswell, but when they were playing at Saginaw Valley against Hemlock, I I was like, man, he's just – he's built different for baseball. And uh, great power, great defensive player. Uh, EMU's getting a good baseball player, that's for sure. Um Pretty, I, I always thought – I remember game planning for football. I'm like, man, that kid's special, not knowing anything who that is. Hunsucker. Right, another one. Hunsucker is another one. By the way, we've we've had uh, uh, some great conversations with him because he power lifts. Uh, and his football knowledge is scary. And, like, I could – like, I talked to him and we are having a conversation. Like, I was talking to another football coach. Like, it, he – he like he can recall plays. He goes on this play when you guys did this, and you know, he goes, "You wanted me to step that way, and I knew you wanted me to do that, but I didn't." And then I go, "Yeah, that's when you came through the A gap and you blew it up. I I know exactly what you did." And I go, and then we're like, then he goes, "But then there was a point in time where I felt you guys were reading me, and you want to make sure I was never right." And he goes, "And I've never felt that way before." 
And I was like, yeah, it's unique, isn't it? I mean, now you know how a defensive end feels when they're being read sometimes. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm excited for baseball. I mean, he's going to Saginaw Valley to play baseball. It, according to him, it looks like uh, he said he's going to pitch, and maybe they're going, they want to keep his bat in the lineup somehow, so they're trying to figure that out, he said. Um, but Pitch, that, I'm, I'm going to tell you what. So I saw one Elmont football game. And it was uh, because of the ref situation. They moved the Algonac game to Thursday night. Mm-hmm. And he dropped back to punt. Uh, and they ran a fake. And he threw the ball 60 yards in the air mm-hmm. right to the kid. And the kid never turned around. It hit him in the back of the head. If he turns around, it's a touchdown. Right. But, I mean, it Has was, abs- he had absolute cannon on it, him. It, it's like, man, he could play quarterback, too, if they really wanted him to. <laughs> right. But the thing's though, he's – he was their best offensive lineman on top of that. Yeah. I mean, he was just well, – he could block for himself. Right. <laughs> uh, it's funny now to think about it. He was a punter and so was uh, – Davenport. Davenport. Yeah. And <laughs> I think because Ryan's a special teams coordinator, he goes – he was trying to explain, like, guys, you know, it takes a little time to get that leg going, but when it goes, it booms. Like, like just be back. But we might be able to get one, but if we don't, it's going to go about 70 yards. It just – it is what it is. Uh, it didn't matter. We didn't put anyone back there anyways because – we didn't, um, but uh, I think like I don't know if you guys brought this up in one of the other podcasts, but you know we're just coming off now a, uh, a state championship run for our uh, boys powerlifting team, both in the JV division and the uh, uh, varsity division. So that's that's really really nice. Uh, Belly Grappi for the J uh, in the JV division uh, was the strong one of the strongest kids that I've seen. He was 165 pounds, less than 165 pounds, and deadlifted over 500 pounds. For that's absolutely massive for a kid who is going to look to probably carry the ball quite a bit for us uh, next year. Um, got a lot of good young talent coming back for us, um, and a lot of it power lifted for us this uh, past offseason. Um, Joey Ramsey is going to be a name that is going to be – he's going to be the guy. Um, offensive line, defensive line. Um, he's special. Like he's going to be special. Uh, you don't have too many day one starters as a freshman, and now I joke around with that. I feel like he should be graduating right now because I've already had him for two years. And he's still walking through the weight room. Uh, you know, he's he's our he's our leader. And it's weird to say that you know an underclassman's a leader on your football team. But if there's a kid walking out of the school and it's a football player and he didn't lift, he personally goes out to the parking lot and and shows him where the weight room is. And that kid goes works out for a little while and then he goes, all right, I will see you tomorrow. And those are the kind of kids that you want to have. Benny Mendoza, uh, for us, is going to probably have another really big year for uh, for us. I'm really excited about Drew Hosman. Yeah, I'm really excited for baseball, too. He's he's put on a lot of nice mass for him. Uh, put other guys on the uh, football team that has successful winners. Uh, Jackson Gonzalez just placed in states for wrestling uh, at 140 pounds. We're real excited about him, about playing some receiver for us again next year. Um, Joey Scarmazino was a sophomore that uh, – Went to states for us for wrestling. He's coming back. He's another sophomore, two B junior, who uh, did. It. He was like our little uh, switchblade uh, or uh, Swiss Army knife that does a little bit of everything for us on defense. Plays linebacker and play free safety if you need. He's big enough and strong enough if you wanted to play defensive end. He could. Uh, you know, he's just he's a very very smart football player who didn't even play football his freshman year, by the way. Who just came in as a sophomore and was boom day one starter on defense. And those kids are rare to come around. Um, we had a uh, you know a couple of our kids that we had uh, this past winter that are graduating for us, but you know uh, Kyle Nara won state championship in uh, the super heavyweight division for us uh, in powerlifting. Tony Grappi broke a state record in his weight class for squat. So you know 
a kid that's 165 pounds. By the way, it was my starting guard and nose tackle for me at 165 pounds. But his total lift was like over like was it 1350, somewhere around there. It was like so squat, deadlift, and uh, bench press 1350 pounds total at 165 pounds. By far the strongest kid I probably ever met in my life pound for pound. And then you had Zach Mayhew, who if there wasn't a Kirk Wilson, y'all would know who Zach Mayhew was. Um, because he also had, like, I think 88 tackles this year. You guys just never talked about him because he just had the quiet 88 tackles on the year <laughs> where, you know, Kirk is out there doing Kirk things, flying over with his head cut off and making tackles for losses, which is 27, which goes in the state record book. And so that's unique. We've had – I mean, we had four guys get all state for us this year, which uh, it was – I thought I was so happy about that because it shows that the kids, if you work hard enough, those guys that all got it worked hard for us and that you'll be able to get those kind of accolades. Uh, we have, I think last year, my first year there, we had three guys going to uh, sign to play college football. Uh, Brandon Schaefer started as a freshman at Kalamazoo College on offensive line, and he actually got the Kalamazoo College's football award for rookie of the year. So we're developing some kids down down there in uh, Croswell. Uh, Matt Lyons is signing his uh, letter of intent to Concordia on Friday. Jake just signed his not too long ago to Northwood. Jack Oliver, another name that you guys yep. talked about every once in a while, he's going to Lawrence Tech to play football. Uh, so, you know, we're starting to get the program rolling and getting some uh, – I'm excited. I'm, I'm happy to get the kid, help to get the kids some uh, scholarship money along the way by at least talking to the coaches. Uh I have a college coach. Seems that from various levels of college football, I get a hold of me every week now. Like, hey, what's a name I need to know about now? Um, you know, we got now that we got a, a GLIAC connection with, uh, well, I guess the GMAC connection now <laughs> <laughs> with Northwood. Uh, we're hoping that we be able to funnel a couple of kids out there because you know I know Jake's going to represent us well, and they're like, well, Crosslex got some athletes out there. We might want to start taking some looks. Um, Matt Lyons is going to go on to do really great things at Concordia, I believe. he's He was probably the best-kept secret that we've had because he, he he's quiet. I mean, he is your – he says nothing. Uh, he just goes out there and performs. I'm real excited about him playing college football. There was a little bit of time where we didn't know if he was going to go play because it was so late in the recruiting process, and then Concordia – calls uh calls me and calls him and says, I'm so sorry. I, you know, we we've been we messed up. And uh I still firmly believe that Matt Lyons is a division two college football player, so I think Concordia is getting an absolute steal uh of a player there. Um you know, we still got a couple of kids that if they choose to go play, they could. I mean, if, if Sage decides that he wants to go play college football, yeah, he he's definitely a kid that can go do that. Kirk Wilson's another one. You just don't have a, like 156 tackles, and you're not, you know, he, you know. But those guys are, you know, the great athletes, and we have a couple of kids still coming through the ranks. Where I think Landon Butler is going to have a really big big year for us upcoming. Uh, he's probably one of the smarter defensive ends that uh, I've had an opportunity to coach. Um, Benny Mendoza is going to be really good for us. Uh, he just went to a, a sh like a showcase thing the other day and had a couple of really nice reps against some defensive linemen where he stonewalled them in pass protection. So that's promising for us for a kid that we didn't know what he was really going to be for us on the offensive line. Because you go and sit there and you have to replace a college starter and then he goes in and doesn't miss a beat. That That's helpful. Um, but hoping to kind of keep that pipeline going. I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, I know that uh, Sheridan is getting restless <laughs> right now. I can tell you that right now. He's ready to make you – know, he's waiting for Brady to apologize to him about making him mad all season. He's not going to, though. <laughs> I know that. Uh, 
I mean, I'm telling you what, defensive coordinator is different, man. They live off of spite. There's nothing to like. I'll I'll sit there and I live off of can't well, beat, but he lives we off want of him spite. To, we want him to succeed. So. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he he is he is a different kind of cat, man. And I, well, he's taking credit for Butler right now, for sure. He's, right. He's listening to this going out. Oh, Landon Butler because of me. Um, it's uh, it's Jackson Gonzalez with an X. He is the X in Cross Lex. Yep. Which makes him pretty cool. You sound pretty excited to me. Uh, if they're looking at Crosslex, they're looking at the BWAC, so that's a good thing. Yep. Um, and the other thing is the the the, the deadlift of 500 pounds. Uh, my wife says if I keep going in two years when I sit up off the couch, I'll be deadlifting 500 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming, Mike. No problem. Anytime. All right. Uh, I, I think uh, that uh, that will do it for uh, this one. And since, since Brady's here, I'm going to make him uh, upload this thing. From Port Huron to Marysville and St. Clair to Marine City, the Blue Water Area is Stuck on Sports.